You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3. If you've ever wanted to experience Israel for yourself, but just haven't had the opportunity or you've gone and you want to revisit, well, this next conversation and more importantly, this book is for you. It's Experiencing the Land and the Book, A Life-Changing Journey Through Israel by Dr. Charlie Dyer. Dr. Dyer, thanks again for taking us on this trip. We're excited about it. Well, you're welcome. I love these kind of trips because we have no jet lag and no uh, worries about COVID. Uh, it's just a, a, a simple journey. Okay, exactly. But as I'm looking at this journey, this is more than one trip over. You don't do all of this on a tour, do you? There's 500 pages here. This is huge. This is wow. a lot of different sites. Uh, you're right. On the typical trip, uh, well, actually, it's amazing how many of those sites are done on a single trip. But uh, you can't catch them all unless you have uh, 30 days there. But on a typical trip, you're in Israel nine days, and you'll catch a lot of them, but uh, not all of them. And, and frankly, you're, it's being like under Niagara Falls with a teacup. <laughs> so much is rushing by that even when you get home, you're not sure always what you saw. Oh, there are so many places to see. I'm just even taking a look at the um, the table of contents here. On our very first day of this trip, Chapter 1, you take us to Caesarea. Uh, chapter 2, Mount Carmel, Megiddo, Nazareth, Mount Arbel. Okay, which one of those five is our first stop here during our conversation? You know, I, I love it because uh, th- that's exactly the way we go on a trip. I say you go to Caesarea and see this old site. And then you go to Mount Carmel and talk about Elijah. And then you go to Megiddo. And now it's time for lunch. Uh, it it <laughs> wow. moves that rapidly through the wow. trip. Uh, but all of those sites, well, I, I, I say my favorite sites, the Judean wilderness. My second favorite is wherever we're standing at that moment. Hmm. Because whether it's uh, seeing Caesarea, a 2,000-year-old theater, or, or standing there at the spot where Elijah had his contest with the prophets of Baal and reading that chapter of the Bible and seeing it all come uh, you know, unfold just in front of us, come to life. Uh, they're, they're truly amazing experiences. Although I got to share one story there. Uh, Most of the time on Mount Carmel, it's it's great. One time we were there and actually we got a storm. It it rained eight inches of rain in in Haifa that day. Uh, By the time our bus pulled up, it was just, uh, you couldn't see the site where we were going. And most of the time I'm preaching, you know, the drought that that, uh, Elijah was uh, calling them to repent of. Uh, That time we preached the storm that God sent. And uh, they, they never saw the site, but they don't. They didn't forget that story about the uh, the, the storm that hit. Wow, that that brings up a point that this book is unique in the fact that it's not just here are the raw facts or here's what you need to take if you're going on a trip or here's a picture of this and that, but it's it's more than that. It, you're you're giving us scripture lessons to learn, but you're also telling us about your adventures in Israel and and people you've met and and conversations you've had. It, it's kind of a not just the the raw facts, but actually some of the story behind the story information also, isn't it? It is. You know, I, I found that a lot of times people got, well, bored is is the wrong word, but it's getting pretty close. Uh, when you just see stones, you see ruins, you know, after a while, they all start looking alike. Mm. And what I found, though, is people really get excited when they're in Israel because it's not just the sites, it's the living stones that they see. It's the people they get to meet and some of those unforgettable characters, both on the on the bus with them and the ones they meet on site uh, that add a, a dimension to a tour that uh, they didn't expect. And and so I wanted to include that in the book because that really is part of a trip to Israel. You know, coming across Donkey Man on, on the Mount of Olives uh, was uh, just an unexpected treat. You know, here's a guy who looks like he came right out of the pages of the Bible in his uh, traditional Arab costume and his bushy white mustache and his donkey. Uh, and uh, he just made the, made the site for the people 
of course he, he wanted to be paid for the picture you took but uh that was that was a small price to pay because he was such a, a an entertaining character hmm. now okay so most books like this list the sites alphabetically but you arrange them geographically how does that help kind of bring this trip to life for us well i wanted it to be a real trip you know in most books again you're going from uh you know, Akko to, to Arad, and you, you've gone from north to south in Israel, and they, there's no sense of purpose. Uh, in this one, I really wanted to, to write it as if you were on the bus, and you get off the bus at the next site, and this is what you see, and, and then you can relate what you've seen there to what you've seen earlier. So I, I tried to make it as much as possible a real tour to Israel. So those who've been to Israel, they, they, they'll relive what they've had, but for a lot of people, they're never going to get a chance to go and I wanted it to be as close to a real trip to Israel as they could possibly experience. Mm. Now, I was reading two days ago. Uh, we're going through this uh, this study Bible with my kids, and one of the readings they had was information about the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. What kind of information do you pass along to your friends that are with you about that site? Well, I have to do a lot at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre because for, for most Protestants who are on our tours, uh, it's a it's a a turnoff to them. They they want to see a, a tomb, and there's no tomb. It's uh, it was destroyed uh, about 1099 A.D. by a Muslim. Uh, they want to see uh, uh, you know a, a garden, but there's no garden. It's all been paved over. And so I try to help them understand. It. In fact, before we even go inside, I read a couple passages, uh, including one from a Roman Catholic who says this is going to be very disappointing if you're looking for the sites, but you need to remember what was here and how many people risked their lives to come and pray here. Uh, and then the other thing I do is once we've gone through the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre is we then go to the garden tomb. Uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, my head tells me that's probably where Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. But the garden tomb looks the way we want it to be. That's the Protestant holy site. And we want to end there with a uh, communion service to remind us that we don't worship the site. What we're worshiping is the Son of God who who died for our sins and then rose from the dead. Mm. Okay, so the Mount of Olives, uh, this is one of the places around Jerusalem that you take your guests to, and you do that here as well in chapter 37. Uh, what will we experience when we come here? Uh, the first thing is absolute confusion. Uh, it's, a, it's a narrow road to get up there. It's a tiny turnaround. And of course, all the buses want to get up on that spot. So uh, your, your bus driver's jockeying for a position, and suddenly you're jumping off the bus. There's a man there who's going to take your group photo on the Mount of Olives. Uh, and everybody's getting off. And of course, they're looking over, seeing the Dome of the Rock and trying to get pictures. And the harried guide and the, the tour operator and the, the uh, tour leader are saying, no, no, come over here. we got to get our picture taken. And, and it's mass confusion. And then there are uh, all the peddlers there trying to sell their, their postcards and their uh, panoramic photos of Jerusalem. Uh, and so it's, it's a, a, a wild sight. Now, thankfully, they've, they've started using headsets in Israel. So uh, you can talk to people. So uh, at that point, you can tell people, look, here's what we need to do. And they can actually hear you. Now, that doesn't always mean they're going to follow directions, but uh, you hope they are. Uh, but once you get there and, and all that's done, then you can you, you take them over to a quieter spot and you just point out uh, the pieces of Jerusalem that we can see and how it relates to what was there in Bible times. And it's a great overview. You, people need the overview of Jerusalem. Otherwise, they get absolutely confused when they get in the middle of the city and winding down those narrow streets. You know, from archaeologists trying to, like, scratch the surface of this area to tour groups going and, and exploring to, you know, even here in the States, we, we study and, and, and learn more as much as we can through resources what, that you've just created with this book. Why does this little sliver of land have such importance to not just us as believers, but so many people? 
Well, I think uh, for a couple of reasons. One is because God chose it. Uh, that's the land God said to his people that he had chosen. The, uh, the Jewish people said, this is the land I've given you. Uh, God decided this is where the great events of history were going to take place from Abraham sacrificing Isaac there on Mount Moriah, which is where the Temple Mount uh, is now today, to Jesus uh, coming, living, dying for our sins and rising from the dead and ascending to heaven from the Mount of Olives. Uh, it plays such an important role uh, in uh, in religious significance. You know, you, you think the uh, uh, the Jewish people have it, uh, significance, the Christians, and then, of course, the Muslims taken over some of those traditions as well. But I think there's another reason, and that's Satan. Uh, Satan knows how important Jerusalem and uh, Israel is for God's program for the for the past, present, and future. And Satan is doing everything he can to destroy God's program. So it's the uh, bullseye in terms of Satan's attempts to try and thwart God's program for the world. So uh, when you're in Israel, you're at ground zero in all the conflict, uh, both on this earth and in the uh, heavens between God and Satan. And it, it, it's truly amazing. Yeah. Speaking of that, a lot of people want to travel, but are a little bit fearful of going to the Middle East and specifically to Israel because of what they hear on the news. How do you deal with that? How do you counsel people who are hesitant to travel there? Uh, uh, pretty pretty straightforward and a little bit of humor. I, I say, well, you know, there is some danger in traveling to Israel. But once you make it to your airport there in your your hometown, uh, most of the danger is over. Uh, <laughs> right. The most dangerous parts on the on the highways getting to the airport. So you've been on st- ninety five here in South Florida, uh, right? Exactly right. That's <laughs> uh, it, it is amazing. That's uh, that's uh, statistically where people are, are more likely to experience something in Israel. The biggest problems are crazy Israeli drivers. You know, you want to watch before you walk out in the street. Uh, pickpockets and dehydration. Uh, those are the three main problems. I've never had a terrorist incident. Uh, never experienced one. Uh, again, the, the Jewish people and the uh, the Muslims there might be opposing one another, but they both like your money. <laughs> and so uh, tourist dollars do go a long way. And uh, we've just uh, never had any problems there. And, and people, again, I told you about my dad before with his food. Uh, he was convinced he was going to be blown up the minute he stepped off the plane. And it was about four days into it that he finally realized, hey, it is pretty safe here. Hmm. And that's what most tour, most tourists experience as well. What I know there's age to everything we're seeing here, but when it comes to maybe like archaeological find, what's the oldest thing you're visiting within this book? Oh, my. Uh, uh, well, we certainly go back to the things from the time of Abraham. Uh, there, are, there are things earlier. In Jericho, uh, they found a Neolithic tower, which means New Stone Age which basically means they know, there was no pottery, so they have no way of actually dating it. They try and date it about 9,000 B.C., but I just tell people that just means it's old. Um, <laughs> but we try to focus on the Bible because, uh, again, that's what our people are interested in. So from from the time of uh, Abraham uh, through the uh, early New Testament era uh, and uh, into the journeys of Paul and uh, Peter, uh, that's where we're going to be focusing. So we're actually seeing something that Abraham saw? That's what you're saying wow. to me? Uh, it, yes, that's exactly right. Uh, when you stand on these sites, and that's uh, it's interesting. Uh, people look for you know, a, a tower or a building. I like to go on the vistas, and there's a spot where you can stand. And when God showed Abraham the land and uh, Elon More, the, the Oak of More, you can stand at that area and look around and say, this is the scene that Abraham saw. Mm. Uh, and and uh, it's truly remarkable. When you, when you go to Beersheba uh, and you stand on the site, though, the, the ruins that are there from a little bit later time, you look around at the vista and say, this is what the land looked like when Abraham was here. And when uh, famine came and he took off to Egypt, you can understand it because that land is pretty dry in the best of times. 
Well, there are so many locations that obviously we would love to visit. One that I'm looking at right now is uh, Gethsemane. Uh, Tell me about what you would experience if you were standing there. Oh, Gethsemane is amazing. Well, first thing that people realize when they're there is uh, there are really three parts to Gethsemane that they've never noticed before. Uh, Jesus takes the disciples to Gethsemane, the olive oil press, which is a cave at the bottom of the hill. And then he says he went about a stone's throw away, taking Peter, James, and John with him and had them, uh, you know, put them together and said, pray. And while he went a little bit further beyond them. So there are three different locations. Most people go to the Garden of Gethsemane first. That's probably in the area where Peter, James, and John were because it's about a stone's throw away from where the cave is. And then there's a church there. And in the front of the church, there's a stone area, uh, probably in in the general spot where Jesus went and fell on his face to pray. You know, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Uh, and uh, the, the the guy who designed the church, and I'm not a big fan of some of the churches over there, but this one I love, he put alabaster on the window so that no matter what time of day you're there, it's dark inside. And you get that sense of gloom that Jesus felt as he was praying that night. Uh, it truly is an amazing experience emotionally mm-hmm. to be there and recognize that's where Jesus wrestled with the will of God and knew what was coming and willingly decided to take it for me. You know, what do you, what do you tell friends that are on the tour with you? And you probably do the same thing in the book um, as they're experiencing that, because that's almost a place of how do I move on from this, this, uh, this step that I just took? Well, in fact, one of the problems is you can get so emotionally wrapped up in the trip that it can almost be, uh, be harmful. Uh, In fact, there's a a syndrome called Jerusalem syndrome where people uh, have a a mental uh, breakdown and, and begin thinking that they're a prophet or God is speaking to them right there. Uh, what I tell people is uh, the, the best way to get past that to today is every night, journal. Uh, sit down in your room and write down, what did I feel? What did I experience? What impact did it have on my life? And it's almost as if you take that emotion and put it on paper right now. Set it aside for just a little bit while you continue experiencing the land. And then when you get home, go back and read through that and try and understand what was it that I felt and, and what impact does it have on my life? It, it helps put it in the right perspective and makes the trip continue to have an impact on you even once you, once it's over and you're back home. So would you suggest that even with the chapter as we read through this book? I think it's a great uh, thing to do because if, if they're treating this book as their trip to Israel or as a, new, a re- return trip to Israel, uh, stop after each chapter and just say, what is it that I impacted? Go look at the scriptures that are there and read the passages while you're looking at the picture so you can relive it. And then do a journal, write down your thoughts and, and impressions and uh, use that as a devotional time.